You're listening to the story of your life with Nick Jaina on X-Ray FM. This week's episode features a conversation with a musician in New Orleans. of the words a lot and, I, and I'll forgive um, bad music way before I forgive bad lyrics I mean I'm pretty forgiving but you know what I'm saying <laughs> I, you know on, I, I really want honest lyrics I, I guess by good lyrics you know, people are really like doing a little bit of mining but I think the thing that excites me most which is like the magical thing to me because I'm not really a, a born musician necessarily but it's the magic when you have the, the, the words attached to the vocal line attached to the music and then this weird alchemy happens where something like just blooms in your heart when you hear it and, and like you tear up or whatever it could be your own or it could be someone else's you hear but that moment of discovery when you when you just have to pull over to write it down and to hum it or to record it in your phone or whatever um and it's just beautiful you know that's the moment i love and that that's like i'm like a chunky looking for that given a bunch of Xanax to keep me from, for the first time, a, a wonderful drug, um, to keep me from scratching too much. And I wrote a song called Drifting, I think, or something like that. And and it was, um, I can't remember the exact line or the exact vocal or anything, but there was a, um, that's the first time it connected when it all came together. And it was like the combination of the fever and, and the tranquilizer, but then also just that moment when I, I played it out. And I had written songs before that that weren't very good, I don't think, and this was the first one. I was like, that's, that's good, you know? Yeah, when I was actually moved by myself, in a way. You know? But it was also something like other, like the other element of it is, is I feel like, I like the idea of it, like plagiarizing from alternate universes, you know, that it's not even, originally, it's not even mine. Like you just like grab it from the ether or whatever, or some, some dead dude in another country at another time actually came up with it and you're like snaking it or it could or ancient aliens or it could be like uh, a, a homeless person who gave it to me or something I don't know but that's not really what happened but yeah it's like the idea of plucking it out of the ether you know from the ancient aliens yes 
you know that one did, and I think that I spent years and years sort of chasing that as an artist, and I think a lot of artists do that, especially in their 20s, where, you know, uh, for all kinds of reasons, I just decided to be relatively drunk and relatively high and, um, for about 20 years of my life, and I'm out of that now. But what I find, though, is the, you, you, you're, you're blessed with those moments the more you practice at your art, and I think it's the same way with anything, be it something athletic or, or um, something that's uh, visually based or anything that you, you gotta, you've got to do your jogging to run your marathon. You keep on working, and if you keep on writing crap songs over and over and over, eventually a really good song will come. But you have to do your work. And you have to accept those crap songs as being crap and knowing where to toss them or to like take the one good phrase from the crap song and recycle it into something else and Frankenstein something good together, though that rarely works, it seems to me. People say, like, in times of anxiety and fatigue, that uh, deja vu will occur more, and then a sense of coincidence. And what the way I look at coincidences now is, like, I'm somewhere, I guess, between the two of, like, taking them for granted and being unduly moved by them. I take comfort from them. Like, I have this moment of, like, oh, of course that's the way the universe works. Of course. Yes, and it, it, that's great. And, and, and but, but actually, like, not pay too much attention to it. It's like It's like this little, like, wild creature that's sort of, like, come out I don't want to spook it away so I just kind of like look at it in my peripheral peripheral vision and then kind of kind of move on um I had this thing in I was living in Santa Cruz years ago where um I was reading this book a Paul Oster novel I think it's like City of Last Things or the City of Lost Things I can't remember the title and a lot of Paul Oster's work in this book too is about coincidence but I went out drinking that night um, and I met this girl, and I went back to her place afterward, as people do when they're adults. And the same book was lying on her bed, opened up to the same page. And that blew me away. And for a second, it fooled me into thinking that we were going to have a lasting relationship. And we didn't at all. It was just a little bit. But I think I, you know, it was like a one-night stand that turned into like a three-month stand because of Paul Oster in that book and that coincidence.
once in a while he will. He's just really freaked out about it. He grew up in a, a t- the time, a small Colorado town. It's a big, it's a bigger town now. It's a ski town, but back then it was like a silver mining town. And uh, his brother and his father both fished beautiful, beautiful trout, fresh, fresh from the stream. There's nothing like it. My dad just wouldn't mess with it. He just like was freaked out by, yeah. by bones. It was the bones. You know, I think he got a bone stuck in his throat or his eyeball or something. Probably not his eyeball. Um, and yeah, it freaked him out. He was, what did he just in the 20s? 27. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, his, um, my grandfather was at Steamboat Springs, Colorado, and his father was mayor of Steamboat when he was like, my grandfather was like 26 or 27. He was like really young. Um, but yeah, it was a different different time back then. Um, but I stopped eating fish for a little while because um, I worked in I did the cannery thing, and I couldn't look at salmon especially after that for years because you'd be on the slime line dealing with the salmon all day long. I mean, crazy days like 13, 14, 15 hour days. And then afterwards, there'd be other options, but they would serve salmon to us afterward too and yeah and looking at it and yeah it freaked me out and I ate a um a fish eye on a dare salmon eye some Filipino dude bet me whatever and we also throw the eyeballs at each other and it would stick to our little rain suits which was pretty awesome yeah <laughs> I was trying to be a tough guy you know I don't know I was I just finished college I wanted to try something different. My friend Doug wanted to go up. Um, so we went up and caught, you know, we went up in June and stayed through the salmon season through August. And then the salmon stopped running and I wasn't ready to go home yet. My friend my friend went home and I hired on to a logging company. Um, I did that too for another couple months until it started getting cold and I hit my knee a couple times too many and I was over it. I wanted to get laid and go back home to California, so I went back home. That was it was a pretty awesome job. I made a lot of money, and then I got back to California after that, and then that's how I afforded to move out to New Orleans. Or not, I didn't know where I was going. That's how I just basically went from Santa Cruz and got on the road and and just went driving. And this is where I ended up here. Well, the first time I came was before that on a road trip I took in 1990. Um, it was the very first time I came here. Um, and there were some people actually, a friend's family that lived out in Slidell, but we came in for the day for a couple of days and hung out. And I was pretty moved by it and excited. But then when I actually moved back, it was 93. Um, and I got a place living out in, um, or the end of 93, beginning of 94, living out in Kenner. And then I moved, ended up moving um, down into the Bywater on the Independence actually racing magazine and then independent street so yeah yeah i was blown away i thought it was amazing the bars didn't close the chant the the rent was really cheap there were jobs you could just pluck off the trees like apples it was so easy like just as far as like no skill like i've got jobs like as short order cooking and washing dishes and busboy and all kinds of crap like that immediately and it was it was easy and it was cheap I had my first place, I think, was $150 a month. And then after that, eventually I ended up in a place that was, um, I think, $275 or $250. And they raised it up to $275 and then to $300. And I was like, $300? That's ridiculous. That's the voice I used to. 
And, uh, but yeah. It was different back then, Nick Jaina. It was more real, man. <laughs> um, no, I wouldn't say that. I mean, people are still, I mean, I never, you know, knock on, there's no, is there any wood in here? Well, my guitar is wood. Um, I never got jumped, but all my friends did. And it's not because I was a tough guy, it's because I was lucky, you know? And I think that maybe um, some of the locals were superstitious about redheads too. It's like some sort of like leprechaun, Irish um, mythology within the African-American community in the city of New Orleans. I actually had a couple of guys say something. It's like, oh, he's not white, he's Irish. <laughs> Well, Marquis was around, BJ's was around, Vaughn's was around, um, Frady's. Um, and I didn't, you know, I, I hung out mostly in the French Quarter. I had a bike and, in the, and I would, and a job in the Quarter, and I ended up getting a girlfriend who was in the Quarter. So I, I stayed down here and drank down here some, did a little bit of shopping down here. But for the most part, I'd commute up to the Quarter where I worked and stay with her. She had a place on um, oh, Esplanade and Royal, right by Arbar. Yeah, Laura Maffei, and she has since passed. Um, uh, she got cancer in 2000 something, 2003 or something, and she passed. We had been out of touch for years. She went back to Niagara Falls with her family, and she passed on. that say as you grow older you don't abandon your vices they abandon you and, and, and it's interesting I feel like the community sort of like become wealthier and more conservative at the same pace I have you know like which is sucks for the people who aren't I mean it's not like I'm really wealthy but you know now I own a home and I own a business a bar I you know drink two or three drinks a day instead of 30 and I don't smoke instead of smoking two packs a day and I do no drugs and do instead of doing some and occasionally a lot of drugs and and so now there's I, I don't know there, there's like all these little bistros and restaurants and stuff that's kind of ridiculous but I'm really working on myself not being angry and resenting it too much but at the same time I have to consider my 24 year old self and where, where would I be and what would I think of that too you know it would sure make me look dirty you know, so, um, and then I also like have a, a resentment some towards the new kids who have come here just because I don't, you know, they don't understand what it was like before. And they, yeah, I don't know. And that's, that's probably pretty silly. It's probably you thought of people who thought about me that way when I was in Santa Cruz, California or Ketchikan, Alaska, you know? Sure. I was so cool though. No, <laughs> no I was. I was. I, I look. I, I was. I was. I looked so young when I was. When I was 23, I looked like I was 17. I looked really young. Um, and uh, it was different, you know, because it, you know, I, I think it's the same way. And I, I've probably overused this metaphor, but when the first, you know, settlers came 
out on the plains, they were welcome and it wasn't such a big deal. You know what I mean? They didn't start, the, the natives, Americans didn't start scalping the settlers until there became a ton of them and they started really infringing. And at that point, I was just like, you know, one of very few. So they were still teaching me how to get through the long winter and how to, you know, grow corn, you know? Exactly, dude. Isn't that, isn't that crazy too? How much the voice is, the voice changes, and, and you're like someone who's like not abused. Well, you, you you've sung a lot though. That's what you've done to your voice. Like I smoked a ton and sang a lot, but but yeah, like the difference from my first record and and now is crazy. How much the voice changes, or, or it's like Leonard Cohen or Bob Dylan. Yeah, that's what how it should be, right? And, and that, that, I guess that's the thing that's changed. It's like, you know, it, it was really cheap and really wild. 
and incredibly unique, like like no, like the rest of the goddamn country is a strip mall, and then you have this place. But it's also like crumbling, like it's shit because it's old. But the risk you take is getting jumped and getting robbed and getting killed. And and like the you know like my dad's like 86, and I've got way more dead friends than he does, and that's just from the nature of this town. Like, my dead friends are not people I went to college with and high school with in California. My dead friends are all people I met in my 20 years here, you know? Um, and it's just, it, that's the price you pay. It's like living a certain, and also the people who are drawn here are a little bit self-destructive, too. They're people who, um, you know, sacrificial lamb of the liver, for sure, you know? Um, but then also just the nature of the place and, and uh, the risks. I don't know. But it was cool, you know? Um, it's mostly suicides and ODs. Um, and a couple people shot and not killed. And then five, six people I know who have been murdered. That's over a long, long period of time, and then a lot of other people I kind of like know a little bit that were murdered, but then people I actually I know. So. And then maybe it's it's appropriate that something like that should be brief, you know, yeah. you know, like you know, like you know, the, the the rock star who you know dead at 27, or the professional athlete who his career is over when they're, you know, 26 because their knees get blown out, but they get to be really famous and really awesome for a minute, and they get to play in the pros, they get that money, and then after that, yeah, what do they get from the what do the football players get now from all the in the boxers from all the head injuries. It's a, uh... well, no, I know, but at least a dementia and uh, uh, Parkinson's or something like that. I can't remember. That's the price you pay, I guess. I don't know where, I don't know where, where I'm going with Yeah, I guess so, yeah, or a boxer, you get punched enough times in the head. Makes you stupid. I feel lucky, you know, that I feel like, and I knock on wood again, but like that I, that I kind of pass through to the other side that, you know, I'm alive and I'm, healthy-ish, you know? I'm healthy, I'd say I'm healthy, yeah. I'll still beat a 21-year-old arm wrestling if it's a girl. <laughs> What's that? Did you never get punched? Never. That's me knocking. Yeah. I had a couple times where I think that someone was trying to um, on my bike um, one time and another time on foot where I like, I, I was felt like I could have been being paranoid too, I don't know. There are also times I've been, so many times where I've been just completely blackout drunk. I had a time where 
I was like, um, someone give me Adderall. And then I did a bunch of cocaine. And then I drank enough whiskey to kill God. And then I was out for, you know, like one of those like 26 hours, 26, like a, just a crazy amount of time, you know? No, awake. No, I like out. Just go, just going, 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 going. Um, and then it's daylight. I'm riding my bike home. And basically I come to sprawled out on um, Montague Street, but like a few blocks from where my house was at the, t at the time. And um, my face is smashed. All my knuckles are cut up really good. My wallet, which is attached to a chain, is strewn out on all my credit cards and everything all over the street. It's like 11 in the morning. For some reason, there's no traffic right then at all. So I put my together and like hobble over. My, oh, my bike is all bent to shit too. Um, and, and so I, I, I hobbled over to a, a girl's house um, who I, I was kind of seeing, and she cleaned me up. So I was convinced what happened was I'm riding my bike home, and I get jumped, right? But my hands are all cut. Like, so they, I get smashed in the face, but I fought them off, right? Because all the money's still in my wallet. My hands are all cut up, right? So I go over the story and then there started, then I started looking at my bike and I'm like, man, why does my bike look like this? Did they like hit my bike with a baseball bat? Well, I, I kind of retraced my steps and what happened was I was riding home on my bike at about 11 in the morning and I fell asleep on my bike and I hit a parked car and went over my handlebars without ever letting go of the handlebars. So basically I hit the parked car, stops all and just flipped over. My fist, still holding the handlebars, got smashed up all over my knuckles, and then my whole right side of my face just got smashed. I still got scars, my, it's one of the, my broken noses from that too. So I wasn't jumped at all. No one was around. No one was around, I was like a tree in the forest, man, yeah. Oh, I would love to, but I just thought that I fell asleep riding a bike. <laughs> just fell asleep, passed out. Probably, yeah, yeah, that's very likely. I think I did all the time at that on those days. That's funny if there had been like a big old like burn on my forehead too from the cigarette. You're like, God, who burned me? Yeah, Those that's fun. They, they tortured me. <laughs> You've been listening to the story of your life with Nick Jaina. This week's conversation was with Luke Allen. And it featured music from David Williams and the Satellite Ensemble.